It's the most popular sport on the planet, with an estimated 4 billion fans worldwide. But not everybody grew up watching or playing soccer, particularly here in the U.S. I sure didn't. I made fun of soccer, called it boring, hard to follow, and not as entertaining as football, basketball, or baseball. But thanks to some basic education about the game and a few viewings of English Premier League matches, I realized I had been wrong all those years, and I became hooked. It's a far more compelling sport to watch than I used to think. Tense, exciting, and when played by the great ones, graceful and elegant. This show is for anybody who's curious why so many people love this game. It's for new fans of the European club teams looking for analysis that doesn't get too far into the weeds because, frankly, we wouldn't know how to be that in-depth. It's for anybody who wants to join us on our journey of getting to know better the most popular sport in the world. We'll talk about the game itself, the rules, the terminology, the strategy, and we'll talk about the top club soccer league in the world, the English Premier League, its teams, its history, its players, each week's games, all of it. We're kind of learning as we go here, but we're hoping you'll share that experience with us and come along for the ride. This is Hands Off Those Balls. So after playing 10 simultaneous matches on Sunday, the 2019-2020 English Premier League season, one that has to be considered the most unusual or one of the most unusual in top flight history has come to a close. Welcome to another edition of Hands Off Those Balls. My name is Mike. I am joined as always by Jared. Jared, how are we doing this week? I'm doing good, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I, uh, I like the fact that my, my prediction for relegation and safety turned out to be accurate, albeit with a minor bit of controversy that we'll talk about shortly. Yeah, you, you sure nailed that one. <laughs> I, I can't say it was for the reasons that they, they succeeded. I based it all on the fact that they had an extra match to play, but they... Uh, <laughs> came they, they, down to the final day. Came down but. to the final day anyway. So uh, lots to talk about. One thing I'd like to do uh, right out of the gate as we said, the 2019-2020 uh, EPL season has come to a close, and that is uh, no doubt thanks to Herculean efforts on the part of everybody involved with the English Premier League players, management, staff, uh, in coping with uh, all of the difficulties that the COVID-19 pandemic burdened them with and they were able to pull it off I mean albeit with obviously a, a, a lengthy delay in play but they put together a plan they executed it and we didn't lose any matches and there really wasn't anything that could be argued as unfair there, there was a time where teams were uh, grappling with the possibility that there were, was going to be uh, neutral sites and all the rest of it and really the biggest change that's noticeable to, to us viewing at home is that there weren't any fans, but their their safety protocols and the testing they did, um, my understanding is that uh, by the end they weren't showing any positive results on their testing, and like I said, they were able to get through it. So uh, one thing I wanted to do was to congratulate the English Premier League for being able to pull it off. Um because Jared and I, being uh, baseball fans, uh, we couldn't even apparently make it through a weekend 
of Major League Baseball play without four games. Unbelievable. So if, if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, uh, the uh, Major League Baseball got through its first uh, set of series this past weekend, and we came out of it with the Miami Marlins having four players and a number of staff testing positive, which means that uh, Miami has had to postpone its baseball games for the time being. And it also means that Miami's opponent from this past weekend, the Philadelphia Phillies, have had their at least tonight's game, uh, postponed against my beloved New York Yankees. So it's just a chain reaction that's reaching out to other teams, and this is what happens when you don't maybe have the best of plans or people aren't honoring the rules, which... Probably a little of both. A little both, yeah. I mean, baseball's not doing a bubble. If you think about it, too, the the lengthy... You know, retroactive contract tracing that's involved. We talked about. Well, they've also played the Braves even before the season right. started. Um, you know, there's a lot of time to really summer consider. camp games, as they call them. Yeah, the, the spring training equivalent. So yeah, um, they've they've and they're all going home at night. So you, you don't know what's going on, but it, it's unfortunate. But again, uh, well done, English Premier League, because you you came up with a plan, you executed it, and it worked. So hats off to you on that. Um, We are going to get into this uh, past week's matches in greater detail later on, as we we usually do. Um, One other thing I wanted to touch on towards the outset this week. Surprise, surprise, Mike was telling stories from soccer days past and screwing up the details in our last episode uh, in my... In my rant about penalty kicks, I was explaining that uh, my understanding of the penalty kick rules uh, was based on watching penalty kicks being performed in prior international play, specifically the 1990 World Cup and the 1999 Women's World Cup. So let's take the 1990 World Cup first. And I'm not saving this for the next edition of (laughs) Now What Did We F Up? Because... This was both mistakes were so egregious that I can't allow for our our respected listeners to think beyond this episode that we didn't uh, realize the mistakes we made. We, I, it was all me. I mean, you didn't correct me, but I'm hardly blaming you for that. Yeah. The, the the '90 World Cup was before your time, and you you made that clear right then and there. So much as I may like to try to blame <laughs> you, I can't. All right, let's take that one first. 1990 World Cup. I mistakenly said that Diego Maradona was kicking penalty kicks en route to Argentina being the World Cup champion for the 1990 World Cup. Argentina was the World Cup champion in 1986, the previous World Cup. Argentina made it to the finals in the 1990 World Cup. That's probably what I was thinking. It's no excuse. Because as soon as I saw who won, I was like, oh yeah, you idiot. It was Germany. Okay. Um, and here's, here's what's interesting. Your matchup for your 1990 World Cup final was Argentina against Germany. Your matchup for the 1986 World Cup final was Argentina versus West Germany. Interesting. Uh, little yeah. geopolitical ramifications on, on soccer there. Um, so Germany beat Argentina in that, uh, that year's World Cup. My memory wasn't completely taken from whole cloth, however. Diego Maradona successfully kicked a little dink 
penalty kick in the semifinals against Italy, who was the host city that year, and I think a lot of people thought they were going to win. He did the exact same little dink dribbler penalty kick in the quarterfinals, and it was saved. So I think what, what made this stand out in my mind is that he apparently was taking some, some ribbing for that, that strategy of just dribbling in the, his penalty kick because in the quarters it was saved. So he better not do that again, but he did do it again, and in the semis it scored. So that's why he's a superstar you know, who will be remembered for generations, and whoever was picking on him for his strategy doesn't know what they're talking about. Likewise, I didn't know what I was talking about when I said Argentina was the 1990 champ for the World Cup. They were not. Germany was. My apologies to Germany. Let's move on to 1999. Uh, in, in a way, this one's worse. So I managed to correctly recall the winners of the Women's World Cup in 1999. Somehow managed to remember Brandy Chastain's name when we were talking specifically about who kicked the deciding penalty kick there are probably other reasons that i that we were both I'm, I'm sure. so readily able to remember her name rolls right off the tongue well you know in her defense it's not like she's the only soccer player who has ever done the you know tear the the jersey off move i mean mohammed salah and, yeah. i mean the, the famous 2011 2012 championship sunday game where Manchester City is playing Queen's Park Rangers, after Aguero kicks the winner, he rips his shirt off. This is a common soccer thing. Yeah. Um, but but you, we, don't, you don't see it from females too often, though, i got to say. Probably not, but I, I can't say I watch a whole lot of women's soccer. So, uh, moving right along. I erroneously last week said that the Americans were victorious against, uh, I guest south korea i think you rattled off I every eastern asian nation that there was save one um i then i then settled on japan and was quite confident that i was right in japan um also wrong uh correct answer was china so your runner-up in the 1999 women's world cup was china my apologies to china for getting that wrong all right so that uh, that addresses some of the the housekeeping from last week and uh Look at that. That's like already a quarter of the show. Um, something, something else uh, I did want to address because while I don't think we were wrong necessarily last week, I don't think we were as complete in our explanation as we could have been. So we'll get into it in more detail later, but... Um, as, as any fan of the Premier League who watched uh, Championship Sunday knows, Liverpool, Manchester City, Chelsea, and Manchester United, although I got the order wrong, will be advancing to the Champions League. Leicester City and Tottenham Hotspur will be advancing to the Europa League. Now, last week we discussed that the winner of the FA Cup gets a berth in the Europa League and that the finalists are Arsenal and Chelsea. Chelsea. Well, Chelsea's already going to the Champions League. So if they win the FA Cup, there's no need for them to get a Europa League berth. 
And so therefore that results in an extra berth for the, the next place team on the table to go to Europa. So we said that last week, but we didn't really explain all of it. The fifth place team in the table is an automatic bid to the Europa League. The winner of the English Football League FA Cup also has an automatic berth to the Europa League. If, as we discussed last week, the winner of the FA Cup is already playing European football because of its position on the table, either because it's top four and it's going to go to Champions League, or it's fifth and it's going to Europa, then you open up an extra berth for the next team on the table. And we discussed last week, that's why the sixth place team coming out of Championship Sunday was going to get a Europa League berth. And so here we sit with Leicester and Spurs going to next year's Europa League. But it turns out there's more to it than that. The winner of the um, English Football League Cup will also get an automatic berth. Now, it gets a little bit complicated here with these, these automatic berths because the, um, the team that finishes fifth, so Leicester, will play in the group stage of the Europa League. The group stage has uh, 12 groups with four teams each, 48 teams. But, but the group stage is like the fifth round of the Europa League because they have all these qualifying rounds. Because um, the Europa League, I mean, they got teams from like Liechtenstein. It's, it is <laughs> Europe. I mean, it is the whole schmear. The whole um, and so some of these better leagues send multiple teams. Now, it's going to be the same thing for Bundesliga, La Liga. Um, but depending on exactly how you're getting there can be the difference between starting off in the group stage with 47 other teams or perhaps starting off in the second qualifier round in which you are one of 94 teams. And the second qualifier round is three rounds before the group stage because there's a third qualifier round, then there's a playoff round, then that all whittles down to the, the group stage. If you get to Europa because of winning the FA Cup, yeah, we're testing my memory now. <laughs> I believe if you get to Europa because of winning the FA Cup, you go to the second qualifier round, and that also applies if you are like the sixth place team in the EPL table, and you're only you're basically taking somebody else's slot so, so so if you're in the the fifth place and the uh epl table you get a better position in europa than you would if you had gotten in there either by the sixth or the seventh spot or the fa cup champion if yeah, i hear you correctly yeah and if i'm saying it correctly um so what what we came into on championship sunday already decided but not not how we explained it last week is that 
Fifth place is already going to go to Europa because that, that's what fifth place does. Sixth place was going to go to Europa because Manchester City had already won the English Football League Cup, what they call the League Cup. They had already won that this year. Well, Manchester City's going to Champions League, so that slot was now available for whoever finished finished sixth in uh, in the EPL. So that's how Spurs are going to um, uh, Europa. So the winner of the FA Cup goes to the group stage. So I got that wrong a minute ago when I said they go to the second qualifier. Okay. The winner of the League Cup goes to the second qualifier round. The winner of the Europa League from the previous year gets a slot at uh, the Champions League the following year. So here is your trivia question for today. Do you know who last year's Europa League champ was i have no idea i didn't until a little while ago um it turns out it was chelsea which then made me say well then why don't we get an eighth you know why does an eighth get to go if they're going twice (laughs) for different reasons i mean again that's a slot to champions league so i guess the argument would be why doesn't lester get to go to the champions league on the strength of that and the answer to that question is because champions league doesn't have any of these unless rules it's top four go the winner of the europa goes period you know there's there's no dropping down that that birth to somebody else have you ever seen basketball the movie Anyways, the, the guys from South Park. Yeah, there's actually a scene towards the end, though, where they're going over all the playoff scenarios, and they're, right. they're extremely convoluted for... <laughs> and this is starting to sound slightly more convoluted than that was. Um, I, I got to tell you, when, when I... It wasn't even so much the qualification rules. It was the, wait a minute, how does this league work once you're there? Because it's just all these different... Um, it, the way I'm thinking of them are essentially play-in rounds. But if you were to try to draw the Europa League into a bracket, well, you couldn't draw it into a bracket because it uses group stages. Right, yeah. yeah. So you get that whole, okay, the top two out of each group advance. advance but yeah. um, but it, it's just because you keep with each round, the qualification round, with each subsequent round, additional teams are getting fed in. At different from points, other yeah. paths into Europa, so it, it was terribly convoluted. Um, but um, the, uh, the that is that is the deal. So, I mean, look, the English Premier League is, I think, in the opinion of a lot of people, the most competitive and best of these European club leagues. So it stands to reason that um, EPL teams who, who find their way to Europa are going to perform well there, as happened last year. Um, but uh, for those that have to go through this like second qualifier round before they even get to the group stage, it's like, boy, this is a long, arduous journey. Yeah. Um, but 
hey, it, uh, it gives you something to play for during the year, and um, that's what, at least for now, Leicester and Spurs have to look forward to. Possibly also Arsenal or Wolves right. would be the, uh, depending on the results of the FA Cup. And that's Saturday, so we should know by Saturday what's going on. It'll be Arsenal versus uh, Chelsea, like we were talking about before. So a lot going on there. Um, one thing I found interesting, the um, I think it was last year's, it was either last year's foot EFL Cup. Yeah, I guess it would have been, yeah, this past year's League Cup that Manchester City won. They beat Aston Villa in the final, if memory serves. And I'm like, where the hell is Liverpool? And I looked at them up, and, and like they dropped. Like early, right? Early. I mean, yeah. In a 5 nothing loss to Villa. And I'm like, how the hell? And it, like they sent in their under-19 team. Yeah. There was nobody's. Uh, because they had, um, I think they had a... Um, what do they call it? The World Club Cup or the club world, the club World Cup, where where it's not countries vying for the World Cup, it's the club teams. It's the clubs, um, which they won. So, yet again, Jurgen Klopp knows what he's doing. Um, so, after that very convoluted explanation of how Europa works. We're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we will talk in greater detail about this past week's matches. Uh, so stick around. We'll give you a real quick um, report on the scores from this past week and touch on the upcoming schedule for the, uh, the tournament out of the championship that will determine the third team that will join Leeds United and West Brom in getting promoted to the Premier League this year. So stick around. We will be right back. Here are your scores from the week beginning on July 22nd in the English Premier League. On Wednesday, West Ham escaped Old Trafford with a 1-1 draw against Manchester United, and Liverpool took out Chelsea 5-3 in the match that preceded their trophy presentation ceremony at Anfield. And the Premier League season closed out with 10 matches on Sunday. Chelsea topped Wolves 2-0, which set up Spurs to secure a Europa League berth, notwithstanding a lackluster draw against struggling Crystal Palace one goal apiece in their London derby. Arsenal bested Watford 3-2, meaning that Aston Villa's 1-1 draw with West Ham was good enough to hang on to safety from relegation. Fan favorites Bournemouth took care of all the business they could by taking it to Everton at Goodison Park in a 3-1 victory, but it wasn't enough to keep the Cherries from joining Norwich and Watford in the relegation zone. Manchester United continued its project restart success, and Leicester continued its struggles as the Foxes fell at home 2-0, knocking them out of the Champions League. Southampton topped Sheffield United 3-1, Liverpool defeated Newcastle 3-1. Brighton edged Burnley 2-1, and Manchester City demolished Norwich 5-0. Checking in on the championship, they're playing their tournament to see who will join Leeds United and West Bromwich Albion for promotion to the Premier League. In the first leg matches of the semifinals, Swansea hosted Brentford and eked out a 1-0 win, while Cardiff City lost at home to Fulham 2-0. 
Brentford hosts Swansea for leg two on Wednesday, and Cardiff visits Fulham for leg two on Thursday. That's what's happening in the EPL and the championship. Now back to the show. And we're back. So the uh, the real excitement from this past week was obviously on, on Championship Sunday, or I like calling it Survival Sunday, particularly in a year like this, yeah. as we, we, we knew full well who was champion. So there was no uh, mystery about Liverpool uh, winning the Premier League Championship. The mystery was more to do with relegation and who was going to what European uh, tournaments. I like there were still a lot of questions to be answered, yeah. so it was good. So, uh, Jared, where do you want to start? Well, let's start. There were uh, two matches on Tuesday. Um, so first up, we have Watford hosting Manchester City. Watford's still in a lot of danger. Um, they could really use a win at home, but was facing an opponent known for blowing out teams by four to five goals. And Certainly in project, since Project Restart, yeah. that's the case. Uh, and unfortunately for Watford, this game was no exception. Um, just complete domination by Manchester City. Shots... 21 to 4, shots on goal 9 to 1, possession 3 to 1, corners 8 to, to nil. And so. it's so surprising considering that Watford went into this game with such a seasoned, experienced manager at the helm. You know, you would think, oh, wait, they fired hey, Nigel they Pearson fired right before this. Gee whiz, I wonder if that might have helped if they didn't have total confusion at the top going into the final two matches. Uh, so Sterling had a couple of goals relatively early. Uh, Man City tacked on two more. Uh, 4-0 was the final. So Watford enters the final match day needing a bit of help from West Ham because also on Tuesday, Villa hosted Arsenal. Um, Arsenal seems to be beating everyone recently, so it would be no small feat for Villa to be able to uh, squeak one out here at home. Um, but... Villa scores first off a corner in the 27th minute, and 1-0 uh, is your final. Just a really, really good effort by, by Villa. Huge win. Um, and that, coupled with Watford's 4-0 loss, actually negated the complete goal differential that was sort of keeping uh, Watford in a really decent position to, to stay. So within one afternoon, the entire goal... Everything goal, changed. Everything changed. Just a, a huge turn of events. And... I actually have to wipe a little bit of egg off my face because no. I'm I'm supposed to be the math guy. And last uh -oh. last week, I think I pretty much said that Watford was safe based on goal differential alone. But as we well, will, but that's but, I'm sorry. Go on. But as we'll see, something happened to Watford that did not even depend on goal differential. So my math was wrong. Well, okay, I, I see what you. But uh, it was a yeah. Monday. When we record on Mondays, and that match between Watford and Manchester City, and you know Villa's match against Arsenal were both on Tuesday. So, looking at the table on Monday, you you had every reason to think that Watford was pretty right. safe. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was you know I jotted down a note you know with the words "Great Escape?" question mark because of what happened on Tuesday. Yeah. Giving. I mean, you did refer to, if, if memory serves, I think you referred to to Villa having, you know, a a, a bit of a of, of a narrow path to to escape relegation, and but they needed something very specific. It turns out that that happened, happened on Tuesday. Yeah. So I don't know. It's not a lot of egg. <laughs> a little little bit of souffle. Or yeah. Anything. Anyways, um, 
Wednesday we had two games, but I think we're only going to mention the uh, the Liverpool hosting Chelsea match. Uh, this was the final home game for Liverpool, and in one in which they hoisted the trophy at the end. And they did win. They did. Eight, eight goals in this one from eight different players. Um, it was very evenly matched, but 5-3 was, uh, Liverpool was your final. It would have been very odd to have the, the trophy presentation ceremony on the heels of a loss. So... It, that was good that yeah. they, they did win that match. I mean, it, it probably would have been a, a bigger kind of weird moment if the stands were full. Um, True. Now, I will add that the fact that this uh, match ended and, and therefore the, the trophy presentation ceremony was taking place after dark England time, to me, was really necessary for it to not seem very odd that there weren't any fans in the stands. But since it was at night and they just sort of turned the house lights down, so to speak, you couldn't really see that there weren't any fans in the stands. Yeah. So you, you know, you're just sort of focused on these guys up on their, their dais or whatever you want to call it, um, all getting their medals and uh, lifting up the trophy one by one and, and being excited. One thing I will add that I, I was kind of cringing about. Um, they they brought out the the champagne bottles, as similar that you would see to you know locker room celebrations after a, a championship here. Uh, and they had a whole table of them already uncorked, um, which was nice that nobody had to deal with that and run the risk of firing a cork into somebody's eyeball. Yep. Um, but I. They were shaking them up and spraying them around, and I was figuring it was only a matter of time before somebody was going to take a big glug out of one of the bottles and then repeat the shake it up and spray it around uh, sort of thing, because you see that in locker rooms too, and it's in this time of coronavirus, that seems like a nice way to turn it into aerosol and just spray everybody with whatever you might have, hopefully nothing, but <laughs> you know we, we don't exactly know these days, so... Uh, you know, I wasn't crazy about that. It's tough to blame anybody who's celebrating the first Premier League trophy in 30 years. Yeah. Uh, but that was at least my, my cringy reaction to that. So I don't know if you had the same thought. Yeah, I, I like I said, it's hard for me without being put in their spot in the heat of the moment. But, you know, Project Restart seemed to do everything right as, yeah. as uh, regards to COVID and the mitigation strategies. So... Hopefully they will let him have that one. It will let him have that one. Um, so that moves us on to Survival Sunday. Uh, ten, all all twenty teams played uh, ten games, all at the same time, all at eleven a.m. Eastern. Um, so it was. Uh, I I have Dish Network, and so I have the multi-select feature. So I was able to put four games on at the same time. Nice having, having the audio from from one of them. Um, I was pleased that I didn't expect it that they they had a game on the Golf Channel. They had a game on CNBC. They did. NBC yeah. was doing U a good USA job. Network. Yeah, basically anything NBC touched. They had uh, Telemundo had a game, but I think that might have just been like a, a, a second feed from Wolves. Mm -hmm. um, so. Uh, good on NBC for not having like one game and then saying tune into Peacock for the other nine. nine yeah. they, they still had five on Peacock, but they did clearly kind of pick. Here are the good ones. Here, here, and by good I mean important. Yeah, that that actually had an impact yeah. on things. So they they did a good job of uh, selecting those. Um, 
So because these were all at the same time, we're going to kind of talk about these in the best order to sort of roll out <laughs> logical results and, and create maximum anticipation. So um, there's still a record at play, so we're going to talk about that one first. Um, Newcastle hosting Liverpool. So Liverpool is going for the record of 20 or more points to lead to finish the season. Uh, they need a win coupled with a Manchester City non-win in order to, to get that done. Uh, Newcastle scores immediately and led for pretty much all the first half. Uh, Liverpool scores three unanswered, and they take the match uh, three to one. However, however, uh, Manchester City is hosting Norwich, and uh, you can guess what happens yeah, there. <laughs> um, you know, I almost, I almost, you know, I had to say that uh, Liverpool needed some help from Norwich, and it's hard to say that without <laughs> even laughing, but. Um, uh, five nil. It's the final. Uh, Shocking! So isn't that their like their fourth five nil finish? Exactly five nil finish in the like the last month. I, I mean, it's insane that they keep hitting that yeah. exact score. Well, that exact score or four nil or, or, or right. scoring four or five goals. Like I, I feel like they've done that seven or eight times in Project Restart. Uh, maybe not so much the five nil, but the either four or five goals being scored. Um, yeah, they they've just been on a tear. Um, so Liverpool does not get the record. They finish uh, 18 uh, when they needed 20 to get the record. Which really goes to show because they came out of Project Restart up 25, right? They did. So, I mean, they they haven't been exactly firing on all cylinders uh, since the comeback. Manchester City has. Manchester United has. but uh, And it would be interesting to see exactly what would happen if they had eight more games like the Championship League does. You know, so could, could Manchester City have caught them? You know, oh, I mean, it's, a good, it's a good question. Um, on on that line, Norwich ends the season with a dismal 21 points. And in case you're wondering where that falls in the realm of ineptitude, uh, it wasn't anywhere close. Uh, 12 seasons ago, Darby County finished with an astonishing 11 points. That's one that is winning. astonishing. Yeah, and one win against eight uh, eight draws. Good work on the pronunciation. Yeah, because um, Darby County is spelled like Derby, like Derby, right? Um, so that takes us to the Europa and uh, Champions League decisions. So we're going to start with uh, Crystal Palace hosting Spurs. Uh, Spurs are in seventh, a point behind Wolves, uh, but with that superior goal differential. And I kept hearing from multiple broadcasts that this was must win for, for Spurs. And I agree that that would have been nice, but there was a way that they could do this with a draw. And I think we pretty much saw how that could happen with a draw, so I don't really know what they were talking about when they were saying that. But. I, I guess I'd. You're right. There was a way they could do it with a draw. I guess I'd put it this way: when you're playing the team that lost five straight, if memory serves, seven straight. Seven, coming, oh, my seven bad. Straight coming seven straight freaking matches. It's a must-win. I don't care who you are, and I don't care what's on the line. It's a must-win when you're playing the incompetence that is Crystal Palace. Yeah. I mean, it, let's see a Crystal Palace Norwich match. <laughs> My money's on the Canaries. <laughs> so I was I was appalled that, that Spurs couldn't beat the stinking Eagles, but uh, go on. I thought you're going to sort of complete the thought of why it wasn't the end of the world well, for Spurs. Yeah. So Harry Kane scores in the 13th minute. Uh, Spurs take that 1-0 lead into halftime. Uh, Crystal Palace equalizes at the start of the second half off of a corner, and other than that, it was a pretty uneventful game. Uh, 1-1 is the final, so Spurs at least pick up that that point needed to uh, 
tie wolves uh, with the better goal differential. So they would uh, also need a little bit of help from potential FA Cup champion Chelsea, though. Um, so because Ch- wolves with a draw would get a point and at, thereby and take pass. number six. Yeah. So uh, Chelsea's in a good spot here um, because I. Leicester and Man United actually play each other at the same time. So if one of them did well, the other one couldn't, and vice versa. Uh, Wolves needed a win or a draw to secure number six, and they did not start Traore, if I'm not mistaken. They did not. So, I, again, I'm not in the, the locker room, so I... I don't get it. I, 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 I do not get it. Last match of the year. Like, it's... You need points. Pull out all the stops. Why yeah. are you screwing around? And, oh, by the way, if, if memory serves... Not too far into the first half, it looked like Raul Jimenez was going to be taken off the field on a stretcher because That's he had true. a head injury. Yeah, I mean, he had blood coming down his head. It wasn't streaming, but you saw it. It was not good. I mean, he looked dazed. They gave well. They gave him the that uh, they were checking both what's called horizontal gaze nystagmus and vertical gaze nystagmus. That's the the index finger uh, sort of moved from left to right and then up and down in front of a person's face and they watch the finger go back and forth and you're you're looking to see if their pupil shakes when you do that because that's indicative of among other things a head injury and they were doing that and he he looked like he needed every bit of like concentration and energy just to follow the finger get him out of there but the problem is it's it's kind of like baseball. It's not like football or basketball. If they took him out just to give him a blow and recover. He's out. He's yeah. out. So he, I guess he was okay. He didn't look okay then, but you know, yeah. I'm not going to turn this into a, you know, a medical con- concussion <laughs> class action dis- conversation, but uh, I don't know. Inside of me that, that might have been sports over medicine there yeah. driving the decision to keep him in, but. Anyway, uh, so game-wise, uh, Mount for Chelsea, which is an absolute seed free kick at the end of the first half for the one uh, 0 Chelsea lead. That was beautiful. Yeah, just amazing. You know, one of those right over the wall, right in the corner, bend, perfect. Bend. I don't know how they do that. <laughs> no, it's got to be a ton of practice. This is why they're professionals, but it, it's it's amazing to watch. And then uh, Giroud adds another three minutes later um, in first half stoppage time, um, and. He's been yeah. He's been on fire, and at Giroud in the last like half a dozen matches, he's he's been getting goals. Um, you know, so so good on him. The, the Frenchman leading the team into the locker room at halftime. So uh, Wolves dropped to number seven. Uh, one the loss puts them behind Spurs, um, and Chelsea's fate depends on Leicester hosting Man United at this point. Uh, so these are two teams heading in opposite directions. Man United seems unstoppable. Leicester can't do anything right. Um, it was a pretty good, competitive, evenly matched game until about the 68th minute. Uh, Martial gets absolutely murdered on a break uh, to the goal by not one but two Leicester defenders. I don't know if you saw that. but I saw the highlight. Yeah. Uh, Bruno converts the penalty kick for the 1-0 lead. And uh, we talked a little bit about the stutter step penalty kick last uh, show, Mike. I was wondering if you saw this penalty kick, and if you did, what you your thoughts were in comparison to. Uh, that I don't discussion. remember it. I feel like I watched it, but I don't remember because I feel like I flipped 
to the game just in time to see it, but I don't quite remember what he did this time. Well, this is my appraisal of it. Uh, it looked like something out of a Broadway production of West Side Story. There was a bunch of little small run-up kicks, little dance steps, flailing hands. <laughs> and then Jazz hands? Yes, and then a <laughs> shot. So I... Uh, <laughs> Anyways, if you get a chance, uh, watch that again. I'm just kind of <laughs> curious what you, what your thoughts on and, and how you would compare that to a Willian or a... <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Willian, I, he's he just keeps his foot back for like five seconds. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'll have to pull up the highlight on that one. Um, 92nd minute, Johnny Evans for Leicester gets his second yellow card and is removed from the game. Uh, and then at the very end of stoppage time. I feel like he's one of these guys who gets booked a lot. He does. Uh, at the end of the game, Schmeichel gets the ball stolen for an easy, yeah, for an easy uh, Man U goal um, to seal it. 2-0 is your final. Um, Vardy does not score, but, but. He, he does take home the uh, golden boot with oh. 23 goals. Congratulations um, to Jamie Vardy on that. Yeah, one, one uh, goal over both Danny Ings and... Uh, Obama Yang, who was not even in the picture when the day started, in my opinion. Um, well, so, I mean, in the picture. Well, he would have needed a hat trick to tie him. I mean, you never can assume. Anyways. Um, and also, I didn't know if you knew this, but he is the oldest golden boot winner ever at 33 years old. 33 years old, exactly. I wrote it in my notes for that very reason. So yeah. uh, hats off to, to Jamie Vardy for that achievement that... Uh, I mean, it really is impressive to, it is. to score well, the most goals at 33. What's really impressive is he had 17 goals through 16 games. I mean, the he, f- Yeah, in the first half of the year, he was just on fire. And, um, I mean, it helped that Lester had that nine-zip match. Again. How many did he have in that one? Do you I don't remember. I'm sure he played a major role in it. But yeah. uh, I confess I don't know how many he had in that one. But. Uh, again, 23 is enough to, to take home the golden boot, so congratulations to him on that. Uh, so that buttons up the top of the table. So when all's said and done, you've got Liverpool, uh, Man City, Man United by goal differential over Chelsea and four. Um, those are your top four for the Champions League berths. Uh, and then you have Leicester. I'm sorry, say that again. Man United. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Man United was third. Yeah, over Chelsea by okay. goal differential only because they have the same number. But points. Chelsea's fourth. Yeah, okay. Chelsea's fourth. And then uh, I misheard you. I'm sorry. Uh, Leicester Spurs are uh, five six for Europa, um, and then we also sort of talked about a way that uh, some other teams can get in there as well. Yep. Um, so relegation. We'll move on to this one. So Everton hosting Bournemouth. Uh, Bournemouth needs basically everything to go right. They need to win, and they need a lot of help. Uh, so. They, they did their part. Can they at least do their part? Well, yes, they did. They went on the road at Everton and dropped them 3-1. to one. Um, So they also needed help from Arsenal. Arsenal was hosting Watford. Um, so again, Aubameyang Yang scores on a penalty kick early for Arsenal. They add another one right around the first water break. Uh, it's 2-0 Arsenal. Not looking good for Watford at this point. No. Uh, uh, Yamane, uh, Yam, uh, gets another one in the 33rd minute. Um, Watford adds two goals to make it close, but 3-2 Arsenal is your final. Um, so Bournemouth and Arsenal's fate both lie in the outcome of the Villa game and whether or not the Irons can hammer out a victory at home. <clears throat> How much time did you put into that one? <laughs> <laughs> um, so West Ham hosting Villa. So... Uh. 
I probably spent the most of the time watching this one. Um, this was a pretty good competitive yeah. uh, game the entire time. Uh, it was nil-nil until about the 84th minute. Uh, Grealish just comes through with a really good close-range left footer uh, with a lot of movement. Uh, Villa goes up 1-0. And then not one minute later, West Ham right. gets just a fluke equalizer. It was a, a shot outside the 18 that hits a defender's oh. leg and just pops straight up. Totally fluky. Straight up, perfect arc, goes right over the uh, Villa keeper's head uh, for the goal. Yeah, and he's a big dude, he too. He is a big but dude. But he's all, they kept making mention of the fact that he's a little bit older, so perhaps in his youth he might have you know leapt a little higher and been able right. to tip it away. Um, you know, one of these lobby kind of balls that that you see the keeper. He wasn't even that far out of the goal. It no, just, it was so fluky. Yeah. Uh, that had lobbed over his head, and he leapt to try to tip it over the goal, but just he, he couldn't reach it. Um, yeah, that one was that one was kind of crazy. So now that match is tied. It's tied, and um, that's how it ended. Uh, 1-1 was the draw. So Villa is spared relegation with 35 points, and uh, Bournemouth and Watford at 30 points each join Norwich in the Championship League next year. And had um, Watford... Tied at um, the Waffers playing Arsenal? Uh, yes. And lost 3 2, right? Yeah. Had they tied, um, then Villa would not have escaped relegation. They would have gotten relegated, right? Because that point would have been the difference for Watford to. to well, if they both it. drew, Villa had a point uh, goal differential on them. So if they both drew, it would still be a, a Villa safety. But I thought, oh, Villa beat them on points, yes. not goal differential. Yeah. Okay. Just straight, straight points. Okay. Um, so that takes care of the table. Um, just a quick look at the champions, uh, championship league. So Leeds took number one. We talked about that last week. West Brom and Fulham both tied their games on Wednesday. So that coupled with Brentford's loss. And West Brom is promoted in the number two spot. Got a couple of affected Midland rivalries. Do you know what those are? Midlands rivalries? Yeah. Well, one of them is one that we've never mentioned because I've, I've been getting it wrong all this time. I kept on saying that the uh, the big, you know, just Gooligan rivalry um, out of the Midlands that we could be getting if West Brom gets promoted was West Brom and Villa, and that's wrong. It's actually, uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm overselling the, the nature of the fans here being, you know, just criminals who bring monkey wrenches to the park and <laughs> smash each other upside the head, but it's West Brom Wolves. Yep. And do you know what it's called? Uh, how about the East Midlands Derby? The Black Country Derby. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's not even a and direction. You, and you are right. I mean, West Brom and Villa do have one. It's called the West Midlands Derby. West Mid- See, yeah. it's just yeah, so all you do have over that. the Midlands. Yeah. It seems like that's a good catch-all. If you're not in a major city... Just call it the Midlands. Yeah, just call it the Midlands in some direction, <laughs> and, and you're good to go. Um, then we talked about that tournament for number three. Uh, that's going to be finished up on Thursday. Uh, the teams that are in there are uh, Brentford and number three, Fulham. That's a London team and number four. And Cardiff City and Swansea City, those are both Wales teams. I didn't know this. So just mm. I had to look up a little bit of geography. The Welsh but, Premier League. Yeah. Um, so that'll be finished up on Thursday, and we'll find out who uh, who's coming up with Leeds and West Brom. Very exciting. Um, a couple things real quick before we finish up. Uh, by virtue of 
um, Villa getting promoted by such a narrow margin against Watford, one might wonder, hey, wasn't there a match between Aston Villa and Sheffield United a few weeks ago in which Sheffield United had what was on review very clearly seen to be a goal that anybody with two operating eyes could have seen on replay and, and probably even at, at full speed um, that was never granted to Sheffield United? And wouldn't that goal have made a, a pretty big difference in in the table and the relegation promotion picture? Why, yes, that is true. Um, so that was the first game of after Project Restart. Um, could I think, be. I think it was the very first one. Yeah, yeah and I mean, it just it, if you recall, um, I think it was off a free kick, um, and you know, sort of a, some some uh, bodies getting all close and discombobulated in front of the goal. But ultimately, the goalie secures the ball, but he's backpedaling and walks backwards into the goal. Uh, and, and the his ball... Own de- his own defender kind of, like, nuzzled like shoved him, him into. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, the, and the ball in his arms clearly, fully, crosses the plane. So it, it should have been a goal for Sheffield. Sheffield was outraged, um, but, uh, you know, such is life. And so now there's a question, is Watford going to sue or something? Um, I don't know. Maybe this is a, you know, uh, another matter for the Court of Arbitration for Sport. And oh, by the way, I checked again today, that opinion on Manchester City's appeal of the UEFA two-game or two-year ban from European play, uh, it's still not up. So I don't know if maybe they, they just take weeks to put these things up. Or what? But uh, maybe they think people aren't going to like the uh, details of the decision. You know, that's <laughs> maybe they think no one's paying attention anymore. Yeah. Um, so there's that, and also we mentioned that the Golden Boot for most goals in the year goes to Jamie Vardy. There is an equivalent for the best goalie, the goalie with the most clean sheets, and the uh, award for that is called the Golden Glove, not the Gold Glove, and not the Golden Gloves because those are two different things. Um, but congratulations to Manchester City's goalie Ederson, um, who you got to try a little hard to find his full name. He just goes by Ederson. Ederson. Uh, but his full name is Ederson Santana de Moraes, something like that. Interesting. I would have thought that was his last name. You would, yeah. wouldn't you? <laughs> so, um, so congratulations to Ederson on on the Golden Glove Award. And, uh, yeah, exciting conclusion to the Premier League. We've still got some, um, some matters to bring to a conclusion out of the championship to get a clear picture as to who's going to be in the Premier League next year. So uh, we will discuss all of that next week. Uh, we're running up on the clock here, so we will wrap just, it up. Anything I missed? Just one shout-out to friend of the show, Luke. Oh, Luke. thank you for yeah. reminding me. Uh, so, friend of the show, Luke, who joined us a few weeks ago to talk about his fantasy team. He ultimately won his league, and what did he win by? Three points? Yeah, three points. A score that was like 2,100-something to 2,100-something else. Three yeah, points. Three, three points separated. I, it, so, a slim margin, shall we say. So... Congratulations to him on a job well done there. And um, we will, uh, as I said, 
discuss the events of this coming week with you in our next episode. Thanks for tuning in. We don't have a show without you. So we will talk at you all next week and hope you all have a pleasant and safe week. Until then, take care, everybody.